0: Uh, Good evening. My name is Ryan Scherzinger, Senior Outreach Associate for APA. Welcome to Tuesdays at APA. Uh, An after-work lecture series APA holds uh, one Tuesday a month, uh, whereby practicing planners, researchers, and professionals from allied fields discuss innovative ideas or present their latest projects. Uh, Tonight, we're actually going to hear from APA's National Centers for Planning, specifically the Planning and Community Health Research Center. But first, I'd like to introduce APA's new director, of research and advisory services. David Rouse uh, joined us just a couple of months ago, which we're happy about. He was a very active APA member, recently, in fact, as the author of the PAS report entitled Green Infrastructure, a Landscape Approach, uh, which was released earlier this year. Uh, It's been a pleasure to get to know him, and we're excited to be working with him, and I'm going to turn it over to him so he can
1: introduce Anna and Nick, our speakers this evening. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ryan. Um, I'm going to do an impromptu survey here. How many people here are really familiar with APA's research uh, programs? Yeah, not a single one. Uh, one, well, one or two, okay. How, how many sort of know a little bit about APA's? Okay, some of you do. How many didn't even know APA did research and just came for the cookies? Or, or just didn't know., yeah, the reason I'm doing this is, I, and, and I'm going to turn it over to Anna and Nick in a, in a moment. I'm excited to be APA's research director, but one of the things that, you know I found out in this position, my predecessor, Bill Klein, was actually based in Chicago. So starting July 1, I'm here. I'm in I'm, I'm in I'm in, in D.C. And, and, and I want to really get engaged in this. But in, in the research that APA does and outreach to members around that research, but I've been amazed at how really little awareness there is about among planners about what APA's research is. So I just want to say a couple of words about it, and I'm going to turn it over to Anna and Nick. We're going to. Show you some a, a, a typical project. Basically, APA's research is about applied research and it's about policy-relevant research. So it's research that we hope will inform practice and help you, members and communities. And it's really important that we build value. So as I say, I'm here in D.C. I have my card. I can give any of you my card. Follow up if there are things you think we should be doing. Let let me let us know about it. So I wanted to make that point that I'm available um, very quickly. APA's research programs, and Ryan mentioned the National Center, which is there. You can see, see the writing there, but it's organized around three national centers, uh, which is really gives a, uh, gives a focus for our research programs and also ties to our policy advocacy and outreach And the three centers. One is hazards planning. We've been doing a lot of work in that area. Jim Schwab, who's based in Chicago, manages that center. The second is green communities. And then the third is planning and community health research. Uh, And that's um, research center. And that's what Anna Rickland, I'm going to introduce next, is the manager of that center. She's here in DC. And also, she will be presenting some of the recent work that's been funded through a grant from the Centers for Disease Control. Jason Brome is here from from CDC, um, who's with us today. the, and then the, uh, the, our second um, presenter will be Nick Kushner, who will present some of that. So with that, I'll turn it over to Anna and Nick, who are the real uh, presenters for the evening.
2: Great. So I'm here to talk tonight uh, about a project that we've been doing for the past several years with in cooperation with CDC. And um, it's been a three-phase project. But first, um, a quick overview. The Planning and Community Health Research Center, we're here in D.C., and we're addressing a number of different topics about the impacts of health on health from the built environment. So everything from these words and terms that you might have heard, active living and healthy eating, to also looking at environmental impacts of air quality and water quality and what can we do through planning to help improve and address those topics. The approach that I have and the approach that we have tried to have through APA and the Planning and Community Health Research Center is an ecological model of health. So looking at not just how an individual behaves or how their genetics determine or predetermine their health, but also how their family and their community and the greater societal influences of law and um, regulations and politics, and of course that includes the built environment, actually impact someone's health. So looking at how the broad impacts of poverty or the broad impacts of certain kinds of regulations in schools, for example, will impact your health over time. So that's the approach that we use. And looking at the built environment, you can see there's a whole sector that includes the built environment interacting with all of these forces. So as I mentioned, it's been a three-phase study. It's focused on comprehensive planning and looking at how comprehensive planning can impact and affect health. And the first phase, we did a survey of all of our members. And um, we got over 8,000 responses, which is pretty amazing. (coughs) Over 800 responses, rather. which was self-report on the survey. And then in the second phase, we did an evaluation of actual plans. We read the actual plans. And then in the third phase, we did case studies on seven plans. So we'll hear more in depth about all of those. In the survey, these are the different topics that we asked people about. Did they address these different topics in their comprehensive plans, whether it was a goal or a strategy or an objective or a policy? However, it was... Uh, structured where was it in the plan and then these are the the topics in yellow are the topics that rose to the top so while some plans did address these other topics really the main ones were environmental health emergency preparedness, recreation etc. so this is what people were talking about back in 2010 when we did the first phase of the survey and then we did an evaluation so I actually structured an evaluation instrument and read 22 plans which was very interesting. Um, I developed a framework around public health topics because I thought that since this is for the purpose of health and seeing the extent to which public um, comprehensive plans actually address public health explicitly, I wanted to frame it around those topics, which are on the next slide. And the purpose of the whole study was to look at what was in common among the plans and then also what was lacking. So even if something, just because it wasn't there, Sorry, just because it was included in one plan and not included in another, we wanted to see how each plan was reaching um, the different goals that we were looking at. And then we also wanted to see if they were supplemented and supported by implementation mechanisms. So looking at timelines, identifying roles and responsibilities, identifying benchmarks for success. So where do they want to be in 2015? These are the different topics. Six topics, and then also looking at broad issues. So did they use data, maps, images all of those things to portray information, and um, also, was it written well? Could anybody pick it up and read it if you wanted to understand what was going on in your community and read your comprehensive plan? Which I think is another kind of aspect of health, the accessibility of information, which is kind of a side part of the project looking at which was focused on these different topics. So Overall, we found that in terms of the plans that we read, this is just among the plans that we read, the strengths were that the majority of plans addressed active living goals and policies pretty well. They were included in different sections of the plan, so they were included in transportation elements, parks and recreation elements, and, then, um, and also sometimes they had a health element to the plan as well. Environmental health was the second most represented, so the topics addressing air quality and water quality, which would be less in the realm of the more avant-garde components of planning and public health, but more in the traditional components, but still very important. And then emergency preparedness, when it was included, was pretty strong as well. So we found that plans either included emergency preparedness very well or didn't include it at all. And that was highlighted in a couple of plans from Florida, for example, where... Emergencies were part of their daily life, or at least annual life, and whereas in places that hadn't experienced um, environmental disasters, they weren't included. Again, with food, food was also not included very strongly in most plans, but when it was, it was covered very comprehensively. So clearly there had been something going on in some of those communities where people were really driven about including food systems planning in the comprehensive plan, all aspects of it addressing food security for um, impoverished populations and making sure that there was distribution of places to get healthy food throughout a community. And then also the plans that had a standalone health element we thought addressed health overall much more strongly than plans that just kind of sprinkled it throughout, although there were cases where plans that included it in all components of the plan were really strong. But if you had a health element, there was clearly a focus and a desire in those communities to really address health comprehensively. And the last strength was, um, as I mentioned, we looked at how they were written. And most plans were actually written really well. I was really happy to see that most people could probably pick up a plan and read it and have a clue about what was going on. So areas for improvement, as I mentioned, for health, uh, for food and nutrition, and for emergency preparedness, they were included either a lot or not at all. Um, And then there was very little mention. You probably saw health and human services and social cohesion and mental health were two of the different categories that I looked at. So for health and human services, for example, we were looking at, did they talk in the plan about the distribution of clinics or health centers or um, daycare centers or elder care centers that would help help communities support young and old, access to health care? Those were not included very well in comprehensive plans. And then the same thing with mental health and social cohesion. There was only a couple of plans that even used the term mental health at all, again, in this group of 22. So that needs a lot of work. And then um, most plans didn't use as many images and maps as I thought they would to actually convey the distribution of, say, food centers or places to buy healthy food or access to parks, conveying how different populations have access to parks throughout a community. So Aligning with that, the use of images and data, was the use of data and how there wasn't very much use of health data in plans. So while some plans that were talking about health actually said, we recognize that obesity is a terrible problem in the United States, they didn't actually say, this is the rate of obesity in our city, or this is the rate of children who are overweight in our schools, um, or any other of the health metrics that you could choose from to help frame your priorities in the plan or help shape the goals in the plan. And then strong public health oriented policies didn't identify metrics, so if you don't have your data at the beginning it's not surprising that you also wouldn't have metrics or benchmarks to shoot for in the future. And the last uh, main area for improvement that I found was that they lacked implementation strategies. So Some of the goals and policies were even very specific and and well formulated, but when it came to identifying who would take care of it, it wasn't there. Or when it came to having a strategy for funding it, it wasn't there. And that may be because some of these jurisdictions have separate implementation plans from their comp plan, and we didn't look at those, but at the same time, it would be great to see those included in the comprehensive plan itself so that you could have this one document to use as your framework for helping improve your community. I have a couple of examples of how different communities treated health in their plan. This is from Fort Worth, which actually was one of our case study communities as well. They had a whole health chapter. So in their plan, there was a chapter dedicated to health. They actually did utilize a number of health metrics to look at, and which helped frame where they wanted to see themselves in the future and also which helped frame the priorities that they came up with. Raleigh was a different case. Raleigh also had a very strong plan and was also actually one of our case study communities. And they put health goals and policies throughout the plan. So you can see that they included it in the urban design element, the housing element, and the environmental protection element. And I did a search for the word health, and they actually included that word very specifically, which is really important, I think, because you want to have health be a very specific goal in a plan if you want it to actually be connected to the community. And last example is from Grand Rapids, which is also included in our case study work. Um, Some of this information is actually found later on when we started to talk to the people in these different communities. But this is a plan that read very much like a sustainability plan, but was actually their comprehensive plan for the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan and for every element of their plan, this is part of what made it seem like a sustainability plan, they identified the environmental, economic, and quality of life benefits for all of their goals. So embedded in quality of life was health, which was really interesting um, to see it throughout the plan, wended throughout the plan, and, and very consistently looked at and addressed both in the plan itself and then as we learned later when they had community meetings and did outreach and all of those great things that planners do. So... Um, this The third phase of our project did took some of those plans from the 22 and did a series of case studies on them, and I'm going to let Nick present about the results on that.
3: All right, so um, this is the phase of the research that I came on for. Um, this is where we took the 22 plans and then picked 12 out of those plans that we reached out to different um, planning departments to... Um, find the jurisdictions that would be willing to participate in a more in-depth study where we'd conduct interviews with planning department officials, health officials, transportation officials, basically anybody that was involved in the plans. Um, So the seven jurisdictions that we ended up selecting and responded to our inquiries um, were Baltimore County, Chino um, in California, Dubuque, Fort Worth, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Philly and Raleigh. Um, and these include six cities, one county, and one sustainability plan. The only sustainability plan on there is Philadelphia's. Um, that being said, however, as Anna mentioned, the Grand Rapids plan had um, drew from sustainable um, planning elements uh, largely. And also the Dubuque plan incorporated actually a very small two-page sustainability plan uh, as part of their plan and had the guiding principles of that plan guide them through the comprehensive plan. Um, So as you can see from the demographic data here, uh, we chose plans with a number of different variables. So um, the Chino population uh, is heavily Latino. Um, So we wanted to get a a wide dispersion of uh, both geographic area and context for how this can be incorporated into different um, types of environments. So um, through our interviews, uh, we interviewed a total of 31 different staff members from the seven jurisdictions over 24 phone interviews. Some were group interviews, obviously. Um, And so we found that there were nine key elements um, that kept coming up again and again from our conversations. Um, And those were champions, context and timing, outreach, health priorities, data, collaboration, funding, implementation and monitoring and evaluation. Um, The ones that are in bold are ones that I'm going to talk more about since um, we don't have time to go into all of them. But we did produce a number of findings on each one of these. And they'll be um, presented in the report when it comes out, uh, hopefully, sometime in October um, on our website. Uh, So the first one I'm going to talk about is context and timing, which uh, proved crucial in a lot of these uh, jurisdictions. Um, Time and time again, when we were talking to people, they mentioned that the plan updating process is a great time to bring these partners together and to have these dialogues on health initiated. Um, So it's a time when you're already going to be communicating with other departments in your city. Um, There was even, uh, in Raleigh, a case of they were going through a comprehensive plan update, and the director um, there found that in the city charter it actually called the comprehensive plan as a plan for the entire city and not just for the planning department. So that actually led to a a lot of um, city manager support behind the drive to collaborate on that plan. Um, and led to extensive collaboration, um, both on the plan and and with incorporating health elements into it. Um, Integrating multiple efforts was another key thing that we saw, um, especially regional efforts. So don't just think locally, think broader than that. Um, As far as uh, regional examples, Fort Worth was um, implementing a... um, At the same time that they were um, pursuing comprehensive plan updates, There was a regional plan for um, Vision North Texas, which incorporated uh, both city governments from throughout the region, as well as county governments, um, and brought together transportation officials, health officials, and planning directors already at the regional level to talk about regional transit and environmental issues. Um, And that was a great time to incorporate health. And it built relationships that were then maintained and blossomed over time um, between directors of different departments. in Chino, California, data was uh, used to spur action. There was a Healthy Chino Coalition that was formed uh, from a grant from a local nonprofit in California, um, and they found that uh, 91% of children in fifth, seventh, and ninth grade in California weren't passing the physical fitness standards in the state. Um, and and so that spurred action to kind of create the next comprehensive plan update to really focus on health and to address these issues that. Could, they could clearly be seen were affecting Chino and the Chino residents. Um, funding opportunities are another great way to come together, um, both on funding opportunities that in themselves call for collaboration, such as the Communities Putting Prevention to Work grant, the Community Transformation grant, um, but also just in the application process themselves. Um, in Fort Worth. They applied for a community transformation grant and actually didn't get the funding, but that, collect, that process themselves of getting together and talking about what they wanted to accomplish led to them pursuing a lot of those goals and policies after the fact of not getting the funding. So that's a really cool example. Um, data is another key thing uh, that the planning process is great at kind of accumulating. Um, health departments are a great place to get data, but a lot of times that's, that's captured on the county level. So to get data down at the local level, um, you kind of got to get creative a lot of times. Um, and it, with, in the planning process, is a great time to do that, uh, either through community inventories or community health needs assessments or statistical surveys are great ways to get feedback and actually uh, map out kind of the, the resources that are in your community and start talking to residents about what they want for their priorities. Um, Dubuque does a terrific community health needs assessment teamed with a health improvement plan every four to five years. Um, and that process both informs their comp plan and vice versa as they tie both of those plans together throughout the writing and the policies of those plans. So they draw from data in the um, community health needs assessment in their comp plan. And um, it's, led to, uh, it's led to a lot more um, backing behind the health policies that they're actually implementing with, with hard figures and facts. Um, So let's move on to collaboration. Um, So this was the essential element to kind of breaking down a lot of the barriers surrounding addressing health, because health crosses so many different departments um, that a really key way to do that is to form these interdepartmental working groups that we saw in almost every case study that we had. Um, Baltimore County and Chino both formed health coalitions. In Philadelphia, there was a sustainability working group that um, actually was meeting before the adoption of the sustainability plan and ended up creating policies that informed a lot of what ended up in that plan. Um, So combining different departments and and also hospitals and nonprofit groups within these coalitions and these working groups is a great way to have this conversation started. Um, As I said, data collection and funding applications also bring people together. Uh, Fort Worth uh, talked a lot about transit-oriented development as a key kind of... um, process that already incorporates so many different actors and departments. So you already have um, transportation officials possibly talking to the planning department, possibly talking to environmental departments. Um, And so you can kind of focus those conversations around health when you're dealing with transit-oriented development, which is already kind of pursuing a a denser, uh, healthy node because you're going to be close to transit. Um, And reorganization, consolidation of departments, whether it was intentional or whether it was just from the past kind of budget cuts, and so departments had to be eliminated, and that forced, um, like in Fort Worth, there used to be a city health department, but then they lost funding for that, so they had to move the, the city health department's responsibilities to the county, and that led to this collaboration, since they had people working at the city that then um, had close relationships already with the county government. So. Um, and frequent updates to the comp plan is a key way to maintain this collaboration over time. So if you get together for a plan and you bring all these great actors in and you're having all these cross-departmental conversations and then you adopt a plan and you just let it sit there, then people aren't going to continue kind of working on this and maintaining that, that collaborative spirit to carry out the projects. Um, high-level mandates are a key one. I mentioned the city manager in Raleigh uh, that got behind the, having the city charter mention that the comprehensive plan was part of the city's plan. Um, he actually wrote into the evaluation of departmental heads um, as part of their yearly evaluation process, their implementation of the comprehensive plan goals and policies. So uh, having support from a mayor or a city manager, depending on what type of government your city or county has, um, is really, really key. Um, And then working with non-governmental partners. uh, In Grand Rapids, there was a great... um, a great number of community groups and local foundations that partnered with the city to implement a lot of the projects. The city uh, lost a lot of the funding that they had wanted to go towards the plan with the recession. Um, And they had to turn to these nonprofit groups that were actually created in some instances out of the plan, where local citizens just came together and were able to form groups out of collective interest during the outreach and the initiation of the planning process. Um, sorry, this slide has old formatting, so um, we 'll just get to that. OK, um, so as you can see, a lot of the funding sources that uh, respondents mentioned to us were federal, so the federal government is a key uh, resource for you when you 're doing healthy planning um, as a way to get grants, but you have to leverage a number of different funds. I mean, one thing that wasn 't mentioned a lot to us was dedicated streams of funding from capital budgets so um, People were applying to grants. People were seeking local foundations, um, uh, private donations from hospitals, um, utilizing volunteer labor, labor from community groups to actually implement the projects. Um, so it's it's crucial to kind of leverage a number of different resources together um, when you're seeking funding. Um, This is one example of doing that. This is a great example, actually, in Grand Rapids. uh, On the upper left is a picture of what the Joe Taylor Park looked like um, about five or six years ago. And then the bottom two pictures are uh, what it looks like today. And they used uh, community development block grant funds combined with um, combined sewage overflow funding from the Environmental Services Department um, to uh, make because uh, they needed to build a, a stormwater retention tunnel under the, um, under the park anyway, so they were able to utilize those funds to make more improvements to capture more of the stormwater in the park and also give the community a much-needed and a much-utilized um, place to recreate. Um, and this was a very low-income, um, neglected, crime-ridden sector of the city, so what it's done for that area is just phenomenal. Um, so as actual um, practical implementation steps that some of these uh, jurisdictions have taken, Raleigh's adopted a, un- a new unified development code, uh, which has included a wider sidewalk ordinance, so 14 feet sidewalk, to allow for the pub- public realm to be more spacious and to encourage people to walk and feel at ease when they're walking. Um, Raleigh stressed to us um, repeatedly how important pedestrian improvements are to equity, um, because everybody can afford to walk. So. Um, if, you address, if you address pedestrian improvements, you're addressing access to so many different things, whether you can walk there or whether you're just walking to transit and then you're taking transit to get where you need to go. So it's a, it's a very, it's, it has a huge payoff to focus on pedestrian improvements. Um, Philadelphia is uh, adopting um, a climate uh, change addressing zoning code uh, that offers a, a bonus, a floor area bonus for um, having projects that are lead gold or uh, platinum. And um, also in Philly, there was an archaic um, zone, an archaic policy um, that required. So in Philadelphia, the homeowners have the rights of their property up through the right-of-way. So um, to plant trees along the right-of-way, uh, the Philadelphia, the city of Philly, had to get permission from these owners in writing. And there was a lot of vacant houses, so they couldn't obtain that permission. And so now they've created an opt-out policy, so that as long as they send you a notification, if you don't get back to them in 30 days, they can still plant trees. And this is a simple fix, and it's something that was discovered because Philadelphia combined their processes together. Um, They started the sustainability plan, and then they worked in a zoning rewrite at the same time that they had just adopted the sustainability plan. So to combine processes um, is a key issue. So uh, in Fort Worth, uh, there was an expanded farmer's market ordinance uh, that allowed for the processing of a lot more varieties of food, not just fruits and vegetables. Um, And this went along with their urban village concept that this city promotes, um, where they want people to get all of their daily needs from local farmer's markets, so they don't have to travel really far to a grocery store. Um, And this also allowed for uh, lower vendor fees, so uh, creating easier access to selling your goods for local farmers. Um, Dubuque used data from its uh, the Community Health Needs Assessment, Health Improvement Plan I mentioned earlier, to attract a um, federally qualified health center, which serves low income residents in their downtown area. In um, Baltimore County, adopted a new zoning overlay. Uh, in Baltimore County, there's an urban-rural demarcation line that separates the, um, the the more the more dense development in the inner ring of Baltimore suburbs with the natural preserve on the outer ring. Um, and uh, there wasn't a lot of green space in that area. So uh, since they've been concentrating so much development, this zoning overlay allows the city to plot out certain lands that are preserved for green space. Um, so we have a number of recommendations, and many, many more than this uh, will be in our final plan. But we just wanted to give you a glimpse of some of the key ones uh, that, that we thought uh, were a good takeaways for you uh, as practitioners out there. Um, so one is just the cross-pollination of departments. Um, think about that when you're hiring. If you're in the position to hire somebody, think about people that have training or, or at least understand the connections between health and planning. Um, Fort Worth uh, described an example of thinking about having a planning commissioner with a public health background. Um, and uh, the institution of these working groups and these local health coalitions is another key Reason Uh, and uh, communication. uh, How you present public health to the public is really, really important. Um, You don't want to tell people how their living is wrong. A lot of uh, a lot of cities, when we asked about outreach, where that was one of the first things that they said that people don't want to be lectured to. So you want to you want to reach people where they are. You want to appeal to an interest that will directly affect their, their daily life and something that they're concerned about. So in Philadelphia, again with trees, they were having a problem um, planting some trees in low-income neighborhoods. And instead of um, appealing to the climate cooling and the air quality effects of planting trees, they instead appealed to the effects of, um, that trees would have on uh, stormwater mitigation and um, preventing the flooded basements uh, that the residents were complaining about during large downpours. Um, so data, um, another key, key thing that was lacking uh, in a lot of the plans that we talked to, you know, a lot of the people that we talked to, and they admittedly um, said this to us, that you know they didn't do a great job of, of utilizing a lot of data. Um, it's important to know what data you're going to use uh, from the get-go. It's important to, to set the, the baselines that can be tracked over time. So you need indicators that are going to be consistently... Um, trackable, and you need to have specific responsibilities written into the plan um, for departments to track. And you want to spread those responsibilities across departments, so that you don't just have one department doing data tracking. You have a number of different departments in charge of different data that's all incorporated into the plan, thus institutionalizing more collaboration. Um, another thing is fun. So this is kind of a, a recap of some of the funding stuff. So um, the health data and the actually having goals and policies in your plan and and uh appealing to those when you apply to funding has, was cited as crucial to getting grants from local foundations uh foundations going to want to donate to something that they know the city's behind so if you're whether you're a city manager or you're applying with a private partner for a grant uh, that the private partner is going to going to implement it to um, to cite specific policies that are in your in your plan uh, is a great way to get more funding um, it increases collaboration and it's important to try to look at how you can creatively utilize uh, funding streams that aren't specifically tied to public health to achieve public health benefits. Um, and then finally, just uh, more ways on how to institutionalize the, the great work that uh, a lot of these jurisdictions have started to do is um, to align the capital improvement plans and projects of places to the goals of the comprehensive plan. Uh, Raleigh is really focused on this right now. and um, if, if you're able to do this, then the capital projects that you are actually um, using funding for and using city dollars to put out there, will, you can point to them as progress for your report, and you can point to them as, as things that you're actually doing to benefit health. So it helps, um, it helps sell your plan as well to the general public. Um, and then ensure that all the codes, all the subsequent plans that you make, that they all reinforce these public objectives. like in Philadelphia, with uh, with combining the zoning rewrite with the comprehensive plan uh, or with the sustainability plan update. um, Make sure that these things are feeding off each other and integrated um, all together. So uh, that does it for phase three. That should be coming out, as I said, in October, and I'll turn it back over to Anna.
2: Yeah, so... um we talked about all the different partners and the potential partners that could be involved in plans, and you know, obviously there's all the internal partners that you have within government, um, but you may not think to go and talk to the schools, or you may not have an Office of Sustainability, but um, those are all important resources for working collaboratively as Nick was talking about, and then also these different non-governmental partners. So local foundations, the Friends of Parks associations, all of those different groups are potentially very helpful to promote health goals and policies and the implementation of those policies and actually seeing things change on the ground. Um, that, that That is the project that we have done and the report for the final phase of the project will be coming out in October, as Nick mentioned. The other two Phases are have reports that are posted online currently on our website, which is at the end. Um, and I want to talk about some other resources that we have here. There's just a couple of other things that are really interesting and really important, I think, that we offer. And one of them is a free health impact assessment course, which you can take online and get CM credit for. Um, it's a six. Uh, it's a course made up of six modules, so it's approximately six hours, and it has a lot of examples related to planning and built environment and health. So. It's um, if does anybody know everybody know what health impact assessment is actually that's a good question to ask so no one not that many folks are familiar with health impact assessment um, well health impact assessment is a way to systematically assess how a project a proposed project such as building a new bridge or expanding a highway or building a school in a certain location or a program or a policy so if there's a new policy coming out say um, Banning the sale of cigarettes to anybody under the age of twenty one, which would be a change from the current policy. How would that impact health? So it's a systematic way to look at the population that's being potentially impacted by the policy or the project, who live near the project or who are in the jurisdiction where the policy will take place. and then um, looking at the at the current health status of those Residents and then looking at the potential ways that that project could actually change their lives and thus impact their health from a number of angles. So looking at the economic and um, and livability components as well as direct air quality obesity measures. Um, so that, that we have a course on that, which maybe you should all take if nobody knows what it is. Uh, we also put together, also in partnership with CDC, a Healthy Communities Design Toolkit, which has four components. One of them is a checklist, so it's a simple handout that you can give in community meetings or give to community leaders to have them look at to very basically explain the connections between planning and public health. Then the second component is a customizable PowerPoint presentation. So you can actually take this presentation and put in data on your community or jurisdiction, such as population and also health measures. So we keep talking about how we need to tie actual health measures in a particular jurisdiction to the plan-making process. This is a way to kind of present it to the community. Um, and the, third, the last two are both resource guides on how to find that data. So where do I find that data? It may not be if, if you want to just find out county-level data or state-level data, there's a lot of resources for that. And then beyond that, you might actually have to go and talk to your health department, who collects a lot of data on, on very local things. And the last thing I want to talk about is our conference, which we have every year in April. Probably everyone knows about that, but we are putting together this year for the first time a symposium on public health, planning healthy communities. So there's going to be 12 extra sessions included in the conference on health, which I don't think is enough, but that's what we have now. And um, we're going to have some of those concentrated on one day, which we'll have as health day. So there'll be an option for folks, the conference is in Atlanta this year, it's the home of CDC, it's the home of Emory University. There's a lot of people focusing on public health in that realm, in that part of the world, and they can come for just one day, and anybody else could come for just one day too. So, oh, and if there's any students in the room, the deadline for proposals has passed for the general population, but if you have student affiliation, you can still put in a proposal to present a poster or at a session. And that's us. Here's a link to the health impact assessment course if you can find it. It's, I have to improve it. It's a little bit difficult to find on our website, but you can find it through the education section and then the toolkit as well is on currently housed on the CDC website. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Anna and Nick. Are there any questions from the audience?
2: How did you come up with the 22 plans that you... Studied? So the 22 plans in the um, second phase of the project were identified from the survey. So they were based upon um, if the plan had been adopted, it had to be adopted plan, not a plan and draft. Then it also, we were also looking at geographic spread and different sizes of jurisdictions. So we didn't want just all big cities, for example. And we also looked at Um, Based upon their report, again, this was self-report in the survey, so based upon what they reported on, we looked to make sure to see that we were evaluating plans that had a spread of health-oriented policies. And also, if we could find their plan. Hi, I wanted to know if the final product is going to have information about the tool that you mentioned to evaluate the plans, so that if, if I wanted to evaluate a recent project in my own community, I could use the same resources? Yeah, so the report on that actually is already posted online and I can I can give you my card and send it to you as well. The actual entire evaluation tool is not included in the report, but the framework for all of the components of the evaluation are. So all of the different questions that were asked are included. Unfortunately, I, th- I think it would be great actually to have... Um, a Excel spreadsheet that I that you could just download and use as a checklist or use as a rubric for looking at other plans
0: were any of the twenty two communities uh, rural counties
2: yes yes, um, some of them were there was Oneida nation was one of them um, there was a place in New Mexico which was quite Doña Ana county, which was uh, encompassed very rural areas and then the evaluated plans were, more of them were counties, so they included kind of, they had dual goals for both the urban area, more developed areas, and the more rural areas.
0: Any other questions? Comments? In some of the interviews that you performed, thank you, did you find that some new players, be it anchor institutions like academic institutions, schools of public health, um, hospital affiliations, some of the larger local players in terms of um, anchor institutions in these communities, had they outreached to any of the planning departments to offer support for public health-related elements of the plans that were being um, explored?
3: Uh, Well, in Dubuque, there was already an existing relationship with a number of hospitals in the planning department. Um, so, they consistently uh, worked across hospital and planning and um, health department lines. Um, i trying to think in, in other ones of anchor institutions. Uh, in Fort Worth, the, um, the University of Texas at Arlington Helped organize the Vision North Texas kickoff summit, uh, which had uh, Dick Jackson speaking um, on the effects of health in the built environment to a number of both uh, city and county um, and regional officials and the general public. So, um, so you mentioned uh, that one of the comprehensive plans related to a sustainability plan. And then I think you also mentioned that there were other sort of ancillary plans that sometimes relate to a comprehensive plan. I wondered if you could speak a little bit about how common that is or sort of how they relate. Yeah, um, a lot of people told us that they write the mention of – a plan, specifically, Dubuque mentioned that if another plan is mentioned in their comprehensive plan, it becomes part of that comprehensive plan in how they view the plan. So they had bike and pedestrian plans, parks and open space plans, um, greenway plans. So all these types of subsequent plans, that's what I was referring to with that. Um, and I think that's a fairly common uh, practice of kind of tying... Um, the subsequent plans into the comp plan if they're mentioned in it, or calling for um, specific policies within a comp plan to create a pedestrian plan. In Baltimore County there was a half of the county already had a bike and pedestrian plan and they called for a creation for a bike and pedestrian plan for the other half of the county. So, You, you were mentioning that um, one of the problems with these plans was lack of data. And uh, you cited an example of childhood obesity in schools, and this may seem like an odd question, but ha- do we really know, have a definition of obesity? I mean, we know when we see it, but do we really know what it is? How do I define it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obesity is defined as having a body mass index above thirty, which is generally applied to adults. I think that's right, right, Jason? <laughs> um, but it's, it's generally applied to adults. It's more difficult to apply to children because children are growing, and they're all different sizes, and even if they're the same age, they're all different sizes. Um, but so generally, until recently, they hadn't used the term obese to relate to children, but I believe they are using that now. And schools track that. Schools measure how tall and how heavy children are, which is the only two data points you need to uh, calculate the BMI. So um, yeah, we could definitely... If, if that was an interest, that is definitely data that is tracked and is collected and it is amassed in places that you can find.
0: Where comprehensive plans often have plans within plans, you know, you have a very separate land use, transportation, now we're seeing more sustainability plans, which is great. Are you finding, at least through the interviews that you've done, that planners are confident speaking about any number of these topics sort of interconnectedly and not just as... Oh, in our sustainability research in our health research and the elements that we're writing into our plans, that they're you know, comfortable or not so much combining those in terms of the um, programs, systems, or elements that are actually going to be implemented, let's hope, through the comprehensive plan.
2: So essentially integrating health throughout the plan and making process? Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. I guess that deals with how you set up the collaboration between who works on what plans. Oftentimes, if you have a park plan, uh, the parks department's going to take the lead. The um, uh, transportation department could take the lead on another transportation-specific plan. Um, so the fact that you have a comp plan and that plan should inform other plans, and if you call for those plans to be informed through the policies in your comp plan, then they should address those same policies. So by um, having health-centered goals and objectives in the comp plan, those other departments, if they're the lead, if planning department's not the lead on the other plans, but they're giving it to Parks and Rec, the Parks and Rec knows that there needs to be a health-centered focus, and they need to address this. So I think, yeah, we saw in a lot of the... um, We didn't look at any subsequent plans as part of the research. It was just... um, through our interviews, having people tell us we also have an open space plan, we also have a bike and pedestrian plan. So these were the planners that worked on the comp plan telling us this. So there's there's both a role that they have in at least communicating regularly with the people that are taking the lead on those and we, plans.
2: And we did talk to some people in other departments as well. So we talked to a couple of parks and rec mm-hmm. representatives and we talked to a couple of water department people and, um, and to see how they were working together with the folks in the planning department who referred us to them and how they were applying that content to their I, planning. Like to
1: sure. This whole area of, the, of, of comprehensive planning practice is a great interest of mine and of APA. And I know your question really is, you know, you have the separate elements and they've been sort of dressed like silos in the past. You have goals, policies, actions for transportation, land use, et cetera. And I think in comprehensive plans in general, and health is a great... Uh, intersecting theme that cuts across these different, ele- uh, these different elements, but we're seeing that in general in practice, that these, these are more of a systems approach to comprehensive planning. So you think of transportation as a system, how that interacts with environmental factors, economic development, these all kind of work together. So in comprehensive planning practice in general, that's the direction we're going in. Uh, APA actually has an initiative called the Sustaining Places Initiative. People heard about that. And there was a Sustaining Places Task Force, which I actually served on before I I joined here. And uh, there was a PAS report that was actually put out January 2012 on sustaining places, comprehensive plans. And there's some case studies of different comp plans that have done that. So if you're interested, that's something you might look at. And that initiative is going to be carried forward. We're doing more work around that. So we're going to get be getting some, uh, some more information out on that topic.
0: Any other questions? In the back? Um, you mentioned that... Um, When the comprehensive plan is being updated, that's a good opportunity to try to revisit and reanalyze how health is is factored into the comprehensive planning uh, components. And I'm wondering if there are, since oftentimes oftentimes comprehensive plans aren't updated very frequently, if there are other um, opportunities to kind of put in and insert guidance for, for health met, metrics and health measures at a community level. If you came across any best practices or any recommendations for what other planning levels you can sort of insert and start to make progress on, on measuring health performance.
2: My initial answer to that would be kind of what we were just talking about with make having it be part of these other Area small area plans or a parks plan or a pedestrian plan would be a natural place to kind of start to make inroads and inserting health into plans even if the comprehensive plan right, which is often what every 10 years sometimes in some places, isn't actually going to encompass health or won't for some time and has a possibly longer timeline to even make that plan, whereas you might have a shorter timeline to make an area plan or a pedestrian plan. And then also to I I think it depends on who your champions are as well. So if your um, champions are working internally in city government, there can be um, one approach. And then if they're kind of advocates on the outside, then there might be other ways of inserting it into plans based upon um, advocacy from constituents outside or if there's pressure on the mayor's office, for example, to really address health in a comprehensive way, not necessarily through a comprehensive plan, but address health Not just through the schools, or not just through you know programs in the health department, but trying to make it more of a holistic approach in the whole city.
3: Also, oftentimes, um, uh, the health coalitions and interdepartmental groups and task forces can be formed outside of any planning process. So if you combine on a grant application and you want to develop a coalition around certain um, health planning activities, um, that's a great time to, to bring in community members who are interested. And then a lot of times the work that's called for in comprehensive plans just kind of spawns off into you know years and years of of other really cool implementation mechanisms um grand rapids we're just starting to see that but hopefully that will uh that will carry through um because there's so many different uh local community groups that are doing really cool things they're trying to reinvigorate the rapids of the grand river and um introduce rafting um they have people fishing in the river now um, so there's, there's a lot of other programming then if you come in and the city's not going to update a comp plan in a while to find what's happening in the local community uh, surrounding health so.
2: Yeah, do, doing projects actually building the bike lane is a great way to do it to start with
1: um, this is a sort of a very general question but I um, What is the definition of health? And does it also entail, because I think you're talking a lot about physical health. Were there any plans that dealt with, let's say, mental health or spiritual health, or even the idea of, like in Bhutan, the idea of happiness related to health?
2: Yeah, I was wondering if someone was gonna ask that question, how are we defining health? Essentially, I go by the World Health Organization. If if I was to say an official definition of health, it would be health is not just the absence of illness or disease, but also the positive uh, existence of a healthy lifestyle where there's family and friends and social cohesion and those other terms, and mental health is certainly part of that. some of the plans, as we mentioned, most of the plans, as we mentioned, did not really address uh, either of those factors, looking at social cohesion or mental health very well. There was a couple of places that did. One of them that we talked to was Dubuque, and they ha- they did it. We told them, I oh, said, so we found a lot of references to improving mental health in your plan and the reason that you're doing, say, preservation of green space or um, improving a park as the motivation being for mental health. And... They said, well, yeah, there was a very active group in our community that was pressuring us to include measures for mental health in everything we did. And so that was kind of an interesting example of where the constituents, outside constituents, are super important for actually um, having components in a plan. And then also the fact that they did include it in the end was really good, too. I can't remember all of the things that they did to improve mental health now, but... um, the, I don't think any plans mentioned happiness explicitly. A lot of it was through the language of quality of life. So promoting a positive quality of life, which, as Nick was talking about, you don't always want to say this is good for your health because that sounds very lecturing at times. So to say we're promoting a, positive, a good quality of life in, in our town, city, county was a little bit more uh, seen in the plans in, in terms of the language. Anything else? Thank you all.
0: If you could join me in welcoming, uh, excuse me, thanking uh, Nick and Anna and David.